there, I'm Andrea Koppel, and it's time for coffee, the podcast where you get to hear firsthand what the jobs and careers that interest you the most are really like. Hey there, Java junkies. Welcome back to another episode of T4C. If you love computer science, programming, game development, robotics, engineering, and you love working with kids in a summer camp environment, then you are definitely going to want to stay tuned for my next episode to learn how to break into these fields because my next guest co-founded the world's number one tech camp for kids and teens, and his company has been voted a top workplace by the Bay Area News Group for five years in a row. But before I introduce you to Pete Ingram Couchy, I want to make sure you've signed up for the Java Junkies Journal. That's T4C's weekly newsletter that comes out on Mondays and gives you a sneak peek into the episodes and the professionals we're going to be featuring that week. And it is so easy to do. Just head over to the Time for Coffee website at time, the number four coffee.org. And the sign up box is right there on the homepage. Now, my computer science-loving cappuccino drinkers, please grab your mug and take a chug of your favorite caffeinated brew, because it's time for another caffeinated career conversation. And my guest is Pete Ingram Couchy, who describes himself as a CEO of the people, by the people, and for the people at ID Tech, the world's number one camp for kids and teens. Pete also describes his job responsibilities as creating the conditions for people to be creative, inspired, successful, and fearless to unlock the potential of ID Tech employees, summer staff, and students. ID Tech is expanding into new markets and creating vibrant new products to engage and teach the next generation of computer scientists, programmers, game developers, robotics engineers, filmmakers, and the innovators of tomorrow. Pete, welcome to Time for Coffee. Are you caffeinated and ready to go out there in the Bay Area where it's only a little after 7 a.m. in the morning? Andrea, we are ready to go. Awesome. Well, you have got to be an early riser, Pete, because usually my West Coast guests like to book an afternoon slot for T4C interviews. <laughs> I have always been an early riser. The early bird catches the worm. So it's a quiet time for me. I love getting up early. Nice. So how early do you usually get up? I usually get up about 5.30 in the morning and I will get up before the dogs get up. We have a new puppy in the house. Uh-huh. I get up before the dogs get up and usually make my way to the gym and I'm back at home by about 7 a.m. Nice. So have you had any coffee yet? I have had coffee already. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. And what do you like? What's your favorite? I like to make my own coffee, but I lived in Spain for two years. So I got very accustomed to what they call their cafe con leche, which is just their basic coffee with milk. Very simply made but it's something I look forward to every morning to kind of get a little kickstart. Nice. Well, I lived in Miami for a couple of years and Café con Leche was part so of So you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Well, let us dive into our 10 espresso shots. These are the 10 questions I ask all T4C guests. And in this case, it's going to help 
our young listeners learn how to break into the tech, game design, AI fields, all of the above by working at a summer camp like ID Tech that runs camps for kids and teens. So the first question, Pete, is what entry-level jobs are available to young people who want to break into this field? It's such a great question, and maybe I can take just one second to, to paint the picture. So if I'm in college again and I had to do it all over again, if I knew this simple fact, and the simple fact right now is that there are over 2.4 million unfilled jobs and careers in STEM in the U.S. alone. So science, technology, engineering, and math, 2.4 million unfilled jobs. So there is a massive opportunity for students who have a, some sort of a technical and creative inclination. There's just a huge opportunity for employment out of school. So I wanted to you know, set the tone that this is a great opportunity. And then as far as jobs, I, I look at it as two ways. First of all, at our camp alone, we've got about 2,000 summer jobs where students can come and teach at ID Tech and teach students how to make video games with the Unreal Engine, how to edit movies in Adobe Premiere, and we have all sorts. They can learn about AI and machine learning and coding. And you talked about Java, which threw me off actually at the beginning. You were talking <laughs> about Java, and I, my brain automatically goes to Java coding. So Java coding, C++, Python, technology is moving so fast. And it's a great way to hone your skills is if you could actually teach it then you can become a master at it. So, And then beyond ID Tech, you come and work for a summer, two summers, really hone your craft, and then move on to that amazing you know, potential entry-level job at Google or at EA, Electronic Arts, or at Epic Games, or at Adobe or PayPal. Any of these technology companies just have this massive need for technology talent. Oh my gosh, what an awesome answer that was. Thank you so much for painting that picture. And it's <laughs> sure. incredible to think that there are 2.4 million unfilled jobs in the STEM field. Pete, if our young listeners wanted to apply to ID Tech for the summer of 2020, is it too late at this point? And we're doing this interview here. It's almost mid-February. No, it's not too late. They would just need to go to www idtech.com and go to the bottom of the page, click on jobs and careers, and they can fill out an application today. It doesn't take long. They can actually, we've made it mobile friendly. So a college student can do it from their phone. And we are looking for talent in almost every state. And also we have locations globally as well. So some staff have the opportunity to travel and even work overseas. Nice. And when do you close applications? Our applications will, in general, they will start closing in May. And the reason is, is we bring everybody out to our staff trainings, our in-person staff trainings, where they get to bone up on technology and the culture and the safety procedures and how a typical day runs. We're very selective. So it's not easy to get a job at ID Tech. But if you do apply and if you've got the tenacity and the ability to learn, and if you really want to teach kids, then you should definitely give us a look. Awesome. So what is a useful or many skills, hard and soft skills that you look for in the young people that you hire at ID Tech? It's interesting. We do not 
always lead with the technology. And why? Technology can be learned relatively quickly in many cases. So oftentimes we're going back in somebody's history and we want to know about the grit and the tenacity. What major obstacles have they overcome in their lives? Because we want to know, like in our own programs, there are going to be good days and bad days because that's the real world. So we want to know what happens to you on the bad days? How do you pick yourself back up to keep moving forward? So we want those specific examples. We want to know that you're professional. So do we have to tell you to show up on time or do you know? Do we have to tell you to show up on time to a meeting or do you already know how to do that? And then as always, if you make a mistake, are you willing to learn from that mistake? And can you learn fast from that mistake? And I would say, you know, a couple of the things that we look for, because even at our summer camps, you might have 5, 10, 15, 20 coworkers. Can you work as part of a team? Can you shine in the things that you're best at and then level up some of the shortcomings? So it's constantly learning because we are a teaching company. And that doesn't just mean the kids. It also means is our staff constantly learning as well. And then the final thing is we call it no brilliant jerks. So you may have the best GPA. You may be incredibly tech savvy. But if you're not interested in working as a team or if you're really smart, but also kind of a jerk, probably best that you not apply to our company because those people don't really make it here. Wonderful. And you know, we should also probably let our young listeners who are in the STEM track at college know, or even those who may have already graduated, that you also have an online platform that goes year round, right? So who are you looking for for those jobs? It's the same. So we're delivering these really great technology experiences out at our summer programs. And those very same staff who have gotten high evaluation marks from parents and students get invited to work for us year-round. So maybe it's a job where you need to work for us for you know, 20 hours a week. It's very flexible, fits your schedule. Maybe you can only work on Saturdays or Tuesdays and Thursdays after 7 p.m. Our schedule is very accommodating and we basically match up skills that you bring with skills that the student wants to acquire. So that business is absolutely exploding for us. And it's so much fun to see the kids continue to learn after the summertime. We say it a lot that technology doesn't stop in August. So there's definitely a big appetite for kids to keep learning year round. Terrific. So how important is it to have a particular major to get into your profession, into the STEM fields? I'm guessing we know the answer to this, but what majors, Pete, do you think are the most important for our young listeners to try to have to get into the STEM field? Well, certainly, if you're going to study, like you want to become a computer scientist, you should be taking coding classes and comp sci courses in college. I mean, you're not going to get around that. But something that I constantly tell the students is make sure that you're getting a well-rounded education as well, because your ability to communicate. So your written communication skills are absolutely vital. We want to see creativity as well. We want to see a broad range of skill sets, not always narrow-minded. And don't get me wrong, the technical aspects, if you're going to go into a STEM field, are very important, of course. But there are other soft skills that we have engineers in our own company building out 
apps and building out our enrollment platforms and building out. We have something, an app that we built called Chow. It's called Check In and Out. So it's a, a basically a mobile platform where we can check the students in and out of camp very quickly and easily. And it all ties back to the database. But all of these applications were built with teamwork. You hear it all the time, but it's absolutely vital that you know how to work as a member of a team and that you support each other and you build them up and you're not tearing people down all the time. So there's it's this whole other human side that's so important. Yeah, no doubt. And having that ability to be a team player, my friends, is important pretty much no matter what you do. Even if you're working from your laptop in your apartment, you're probably going to be dealing with clients and you need to be personable and you need to know how to manage and meet deadlines and be a kind human being. That will really get you far. Pete, what about a grad school degree? And this is less so for those entry-level positions, more so for someone who maybe wants to run their own company or wants to be a C-suite executive. And if so, what do you think are the most useful ones to have? Well, to be clear, so I'm, even as a kid, I saw myself as an entrepreneur. For me, it went way back even to my high school days where I started my own landscaping business and I learned how hard that was. I always saw that I got my graduate degree actually helping build ID Tech alongside my mother and my mom who actually co-founded the company. So I got my quote unquote advanced degree kind of on the ground every single day, learning and listening and developing the skills to require a much bigger company. We're a lot bigger now than we were 20 years ago. So I've been able to evolve my skill set, which is, you know, that flexibility is absolutely vital. So when I look at grad students and we've obviously got some masters folks that work in our company, what I'm ultimately looking for is why did they do that? Why did they pursue the degree? Because it shows some tenacity and grit. And those are words that we always come back to because it's not easy to get a master's. You got to show up every day. You got to do the work. You got to network with people and develop, keep advancing your skills. So I just think if you look at it as another opportunity to learn, I think it's great. It's fantastic. But not everybody needs to go that route. There are a lot of different ways to learn. And you can learn every single day on the job as well. And do you think there are more useful grad school degrees to get? I'm guessing it depends, right? Depends where you want to go. It absolutely depends. I mean, if you want to get very, very specific in AI and do absolutely the most cutting edge, advanced research, and you know that, then sure, be very, very specific. And there are only going to be so many people you can learn from in the actual industry. So no doubt, the more advanced you get, the more specific you get, but that also can increase your marketability as well. Nice. Okay. Pete, you've already touched on this, but what kind of life experiences. So those experiences outside the classroom that build those well-rounded candidates that you're looking for are most useful for someone starting out in this field to try to engage in. When I look through the lens of my company and I see the people right now that either work for me or even the students who have gone on to say teach for us and they're working in an industry there's a common thread. They got passionate about something. And the way that you get passionate about something is you got to try it. You got to learn. You got to fail. I was even telling my own son that 
He's like, well, dad, if, you know, when I get older, am I going to be able to afford a house and be able to make enough money to do that? And I said, look, don't chase the dollars. Just get really good at whatever you want to do. Get really, really good at it. And the money's going to follow. So I think it's important that no matter what, we teach all of our students and then all of our college-age students, job seekers, that they're not going to be able to fake it. You won't be a really incredible game developer unless you love developing games. You won't be an incredible soccer player unless you love to play soccer and you're willing to put in the time and practice it every single day. So no matter what you do, Figure out what you love or what you're going to wake up every day and think about, hey, you know, this is what I would really want to do. Then do that. Keep practicing and don't look back. Be the best at it. Yeah, absolutely. I would even go so far to say, Pete, that if someone doesn't feel passionate and they don't know what their passion is, but they have interests, explore those interests and just do it. Whatever fills you up. Do that because I promise you, there is a way to tap into those interests after you graduate from college and explore them and build those out based on the skills that you've been developing, whether it's through ID Tech summer camps or whether it's through playing on the soccer pitch. Is it a pitch so when you play soccer? It, it, it is. So let's just for one second, because I think this is so important. If you are that soccer player and you've never coded and you said, well, I'm a soccer player, I don't code. What you actually may not realize is there is a natural bridge between soccer and data science and statistics. Who's the better soccer player, Messi or Ronaldo? Let's go back and let's write a program to actually pull in the data to assess it and code that program. There's so much overlap between all these different interests. If you love to travel, well, what about photography and videography? If you love video games, well, did you actually know that you can get a scholarship for playing video games? As an example, we had a masterclass done with Mark Deppie at UC Irvine even about a week and a half ago. And he was telling us all about how he needs videographers to chop all the gameplay up and make really, really great reels for the games that have been played. There are things that we're doing with technology and will be doing with technology that we haven't even thought of. And so many pieces of it cross over. So going back to your point, pursue your passion, and then you will figure out how it will tie into technology and tie into a STEM field. Oh my gosh, I just got chills. I really did. That is so incredibly cool and hopefully empowering and comforting to our young listeners who may want to pursue a career in this field. So Pete, yes. speaking of passion, <laughs> what is yeah. the best part for you of being in this profession? It is knowing that we can hire several thousand college-age students, give them a really awesome job. They can then, in turn, impact the lives of every summer, about 50,000 kids attend our programs worldwide. So the footprint that we then leave, it goes from us to our college-age instructors that are the absolute best of the best, tech-savvy, fun, vibrant, passionate, 
passing those skills on to the kids. The kids then acquire the skills, build friendships, they find their people, and they don't just learn at ID Tech, they actually find a place to thrive. And then when they do that, it just opens up doors for them and the scene comes full circle. And then they help, you know, basically shape the future. And that's really what our mission is, is not just to, you know, teach kids technology, but it's to teach the kids technology with a purpose. If it's, you know, they want to help, you know, solve the challenges of global warming, if they want to kind of really lock into autonomous driving, there's so many applications. We have no idea what the job landscape is going to look like even 10 years from now. But I will guarantee you it's going to be heavily involved with technology. No doubt. So we know, Pete, because we've been in the working world for couple of decades already, (laughs) that it doesn't matter what your job is. It doesn't matter if you work for yourself or if you work for someone else. There are going to be aspects of your job that suck. So what is that aspect? What is the part of your current job as CEO of ID Tech that sucks the most? It is, first of all, I embrace the good and the bad. What I do attempt to do is if there are things that I don't love to do, I think I've earned the, well, I am a CEO, but I also tell this to my people as well. If there are things when you're working as a team that you just don't like to do, don't be a victim. Say, hey, you know what? I want to do more of this because I'm really good at it. And I want to try to minimize doing so much of this because I'm not as interested in it or not as good at it. And I'm not going to fake it and go through the motion. That said, There are always things, expense reports, travel arrangements. There are a lot of the admin stuff that we're not a huge company. So I still do quite a bit of that on my own. But it's not my favorite thing to do. But I do recognize that's also part of playing on a team is I can't ask other people to do things if I'm not willing to do them myself. So oftentimes, it's leadership through symbolism. And I'll roll up my sleeves and do whatever it takes. So I think the the broader theme is just don't be a victim. If there are things that you absolutely hate doing, talk about it with your supervisor, talk about it with your teammates, and maybe you can swap things and focus on the things that you're best at. Great advice. So speaking of advice, what is the best career advice you've ever gotten? I remember when I joined ID Tech when I was 26 years old. And I never forgot it because I went and met with the, at that time, the CEO of Nike Sports Camps. And the gentleman's name was Charlie Hubler. He started Nike Sports Camps, geez, probably over about 30, 35 years now. And he said, Pete, remember, you own nothing but your relationships. And I never forgot that. And to me, that meant take care of people, take care of people you've never met before, take care of your students, take care of each other, treat people the right way. Because people will remember that. They'll remember the way that they're treated. They may not remember the details of the conversation, but they'll remember the way they felt. So own your relationships and invest in them. I love that. And tell me if this makes sense to you, because I might translate that or just attempt to translate it and say that these relationships are your network. That's your professional network. So I know so many young people struggle with this. How do you build an authentic, meaningful network? And I think, Pete, the career advice that you just offered there is like the fundamentals. It is. um, It's so basic. When 
if you ultimately need to call in a favor, people are smart. They will know if you haven't talked to them in a year. And then the one time you call them is because you need something that doesn't feel right. But if you've invested in the relationship, you understand what's going on with your family. If you take the time to actually listen to maybe what they're going through, what their stories are, reach out, quick text, a picture, start a conversation. But Howard Behar, he's on my board and he's the former president of Starbucks International. So he's the guy responsible for taking Starbucks across the globe. And he said, in short, tell people that you love them and show it. That's okay. And that's you know something that we try to do all the time at ID Tech is just really take care of people. And going back to maybe the professional nomenclature is, yeah, like build out the network. But the way that you build out the network is by actually caring about the people in your network. Fantastic. So two final espresso shots. What <laughs> movies, if any, or Netflix, Hulu, Amazon shows, or books, Pete, do you think accurately depict your profession? It's tough because it's so varied and so general. When I was on the plane traveling to one of our locations in the UK last summer, I watched this really great documentary about Elon Musk and SpaceX. And then recently with my family, we were watching the kind of a documentary on Bill Gates called Inside Bill's Brain. And these are just two examples. And I think that they're, you know, examples, obviously male dominated in these two particular examples, but there are a host of others as well. And it, for me, it all boils down to these crazy entrepreneurs were all out to solve problems. And they were just so passionate about figuring things out. Elon wants to take people to Mars and then colonize Mars. That's ultimately what he's trying to accomplish. Bill Gates, what he's doing now, even after Microsoft is maybe even more stunning than what he did at Microsoft. So those are just a couple examples. But I really love the thinking of the inside Bill's brain. And I think that's on Netflix or Prime. I don't know what I saw it on, but it's awesome. (laughs) No worries. We will include links to both of those documentaries in our show notes. So final espresso shot. What would Java junkies and Java junkies, not the Java coding junkies, but our Java junkies here at Time for Coffee, be surprised to learn about your profession? Sometimes when we talk about technology and sometimes when we talk about coding and sometimes when we talk about AI and machine learning, it can come off as kind of scary. It's like a foreign language. If you're, say, traveling in a country and you're tra- let's say you're traveling in South America and you speak no Spanish, it can be a little bit scary. But once you start picking it up, it snowballs really quickly and incredible things happen. So the best way to learn is just immerse yourself. And it's a lot more fun than you probably would have ever thought. But give it a chance. Oh, what a perfect way to end our episode. And for our young listeners, if you want to learn more about ID Tech and what Pete does at ID Tech and get more of his advice, check out the show notes for this episode to see if Pete's main Time for Coffee interview has already dropped. Pete, thank you so much for making Time for Coffee today with me and the Time for Coffee community. I love your spirit and the joy and love, clearly, that you exude for your job and your company and your industry. 
I'm incredibly blessed. And thank you so much for having us. And we look forward to having the next crop of female engineers and engineers from all over the world and innovators and entrepreneurs kind of come up and lift themselves up here at ID Tech. So thanks so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening to Time for Coffee, where the professionals in the jobs that most interest you always have time to grab coffee 24-7, no matter where you live. I have one quick favor to ask you. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Time for Coffee. Thanks so much.